Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. As we come, guys, as we navigate, if you will, to to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to take a moment and remind you the purpose of the letter. Okay, why is Paul writing 2 Corinthians? Well, if you recall, the purpose was threefold. You go, what's that, Ben? Well, number one, um, it was to express joy that this church heard the Holy Spirit, repented, and sought consolation, right? By reconciliation. That's the, really what it was. Paul says, man, I am just super stoked that you guys heard God's, God's Holy Spirit and that you repented. You're going down one path and you turn around. And so he writes a letter. And I think that's so cool. Number two, it's to remind the believers of their commitment to the offering for the, for the Christians in Judea. And then the last but not least, the purpose was to defend his apostolic, basically, authority. Okay, people were, quote, were, were, were questioning who he was. They were questioning his, well, are you really an apostle? Because you don't look like an apostle. Man, listen, you've got, a, you've got a big nose and a crooked, and you got, I mean, whatever they thought he looked like, they said he didn't look like an apostle, and so he will write to defend that. But let me just go back a little bit, okay, because I think there's some stuff we can pull from. Because the book, the entire book is broken down in three major parts. Three major parts. You go, what are they, Ben? In chapters 1 through 7, okay, Paul writes to reconcile with the church. And what he does is he reminds them that he loves them and that he forgives them. You see, Paul's heart, listen, is for people. And here's what I want to do. Guys, listen, we got to have a heart for people. See, Paul had Christ's heart. We need to have that same heart. A lot of times we feel like, oh, well, well, you know, they're not acting like me or they're not this. And we and, and we got to have a heart for people. That's what he does. And you can see this, guys, is that he begins to reflect the love of Jesus. Paul's not mad at them. He's madly in love with them. Paul, what does Paul know that we don't? What does he know? Because he, he knows that people are people, right? They can get under our skin. They can bug us. They can, ooh, rub us the wrong way. But he sees something beyond that. The gospel is seeing something beyond that where he goes, no, no, no. In light of eternity, these people need, they need Jesus. There's something there, and I want that. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want that. And you can tell by his prayer. Look at his prayer in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now, I think this is great application. This is something we can take home. You go, why? Listen, I know that we're in the midst of just craziness. I get it. And I know some of you are going through your own personal things, your own personal uh, struggles. But what Paul just said, guys, is the things that you're going through are are to be used to comfort others who are going to go through them after you. And so, guys, he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, here's why. What if we get shut down again? 
What if we have a spike in whatever in COVID? What if? Listen, we've already been through it. So instead of freaking out, instead of an ungodly fear, then we can comfort others in that moment. Listen, it's going to be okay. This is what he's saying. And, and listen, this is, a, this is a psalm that you guys need to jot down. This is a psalm that you need to have in your Bible. Because, because in Psalm 84, guys, Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to what he says. Listen, what this is something that just it speaks to us, right? He, goes, he says this. The psalmist writes, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Where does our strength come from, guys? The Lord, okay? Spoiler alert, it's okay to be weak. I don't like weak. I want to. No, no, no. It's okay because your strength doesn't come from you. It comes from Jesus. So we need to be seeking Jesus. Where? Okay. So he says this. What joy. What joy comes, right? Whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, for you and I, we would love to go to Jerusalem. We'd love to go there. But really, where is our ultimate destination? I want to go home. I want to go to heaven. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for there not to be stress. I'm ready for there to be no tears and no anxiety. I'm ready to see my Savior. You guys don't understand. I have been preaching for 20 years about this Savior. I'm ready to see him. I'm ready to go hold him and hug him. I don't know what you all are going to do, but he's going to say, Ben, get off me, okay? Other people need to come. Other people need to see me. No, Lord, this is what, oh, oh. Hey, it's David. Sorry, David, you have to wait. You guys see what I'm saying? I'm ready to go. And that's my pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Well, what do I do? Well, he says, and when they walk through the valley of weeping, would you not agree that sometimes our world is a valley of weeping? And we go through hard things. He says, it's going to become a place of refreshing springs. So the things you go through, the troubles you go through, your life experiences, it's for other people. And so people can come and go, guys, I've got the most comfort when I realized, wait, you've gone through that too? No, I didn't know you went through that. Dude, listen, I was going to call the church dudes. Dudes, no, but listen, here's the thing. I, people freak out when I tell them that I went through just a really hard time last year. They, they kind of go, you did? Like pastors are not supposed, yeah, you know, I went through a really rough time. I was, I was battling a little bit of depression and stuff. And they go, because pastors aren't, you know what? Listen, I don't know if you know this, but I just float around here all day. You know, just like, oh, right. And you walk in, I'm just like, hey. And I have this angelic face. How you doing? No, it's, I'm a real person with real struggles like you. And I was just like, oh, goodness gracious. And so, and so again, the things we go through, the valley of weepings, guys, the things we go through are so that there can be refreshing spring for those who come after us. So, so that people look at me and you go, you went through that? Yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You struggle with that? Yeah. You know your struggles in your marriage, your marriages, you know, you go, does anybody else struggle? It's so that, so that you can minister to people who are struggling at this time. Yeah, you know what we went through, that you'll be all right. Guys, keep your eyes on Jesus. Make sure that he is the third strand in your threefold cord. Make sure that you, 
well, Pastor, how do I, how do I, um, how are we going to do this? Well, Nate, Nate's newly engaged. Check that out, right? He was supposed to get married yesterday, but COVID threw that away. So, yeah, I know. Nate, listen, let me give you a piece of advice, right? Don't, he needs to love Jesus more than you. And you need to love Jesus more than him. That's the bottom line, right? You guys want to know? That's what really, t- he, if you love Jesus, this, uh, anyways, that's a whole nother sermon. I got to, I get going, we'll be here till, till, till two o'clock. It looks like I had coffee. I'm sorry. I, I did. I did. But we know this, guys. We know that the stuff you go through, the struggles, the fears, the hard, the hard times, the heartaches, they're for somebody else too. Because there's nothing more comforting when somebody goes, I know. You know, I know how that is. I know. You know? Yeah. A lot of people, guys, during COVID, the first part, they feel like they failed God. Do you know what I mean? Well, when COVID hit, I stopped doing this. I stopped going to church. I stopped reading my Bible. I feel like I failed God. And the thing about it is that, is that so they're, they're in a place where they're just like, man, I'm just super broke. But listen, it's a place where you go, okay, I can comfort others. Okay, now, listen, here's what we need to do. If this ever happens again, what are we going to do? Well, what are some things we're going to do? Well, we want to comfort others. No, it's okay. God didn't leave us. Did anybody go hungry? Right? No, we, we ate. God provided for us. God's going to take care of us. That's what Paul is saying. So the first seven chapters, remember, he's saying, man, listen, um, God's going to use, he used my suffering so that I can comfort you guys. God used it. And then in chapters eight and nine, Paul addressed what? He said he addressed giving and money and really the forgotten generosity. As Paul writes this concern, he's writing and he says, listen, I need to talk to you about the collection. Okay, to remind the believers of their commitment to the offering for the Christians in Judea. We talked about that, right? And you go, what were they? Well, let me give you three things. Number one, that was for God's people. They were for God's people, right? I think um, Adam mentioned tithes and offerings. Guys, it's for God's people. When we give unto the Lord, we should give hilariously. We should give, we should give above, above and beyond, we should be the ones set the example of going, Lord, God, this is yours. Amen. What are you, oh, well, what are you going to do? No, no, no. It's for, it's for God's people. Remember, and this was given to relieve believers in part of the suffering from famine and natural disaster. They were having a hard time. And so here comes the church. Now, here's, here's, here's what Paul says. Paul said, he said, Lord, help us to understand since we received a spiritual blessing, salvation. Okay that we'll be able to return the help financially. And I think that needs to be the mindset. The mindset needs to be, God, thank you for saving me. How can I help? Well, we need to help poor people. We need to give so that we can get the gospel out. That's what he's saying. And in chapters 10 through 13, Paul's final challenge, guys, is, is basically he's saying here's a final challenge. But here's a side note, okay? You can jot this down. There's a very popular theory in chapters 10 through 13. They're part of the lost sorrowful letters. When we get to chapter 10, guys, we'll see if that, um, 
uh, we can decide or detect if there was a hint of the, of the second painful letter that's been lost. Some people feel that it, it is. I don't know, um, but we'll, we'll go back to that. Now, remember, Paul was hoping all was rectified in Corinth. But he found out, guys, that, that many in the church actually had rejected his teachings in that letter, and they rebelled against his authority. Now, remember, he planted the church, and he's trying to get them. And so what did Paul do? Paul says, oh, man, I need to go visit them. They're, 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 not, they're not behaving right. They're not acting right. They're, you know, listen. And so he makes a painful, right? He makes a hurried, painful visit to Corinth. And it doesn't go as planned. It doesn't go as planned, guys. He, he had to personally address or call out rebellious people in the church. He had to go, and, and, and he says, man, listen, and, and he writes a very severe and painful letter, and he actually refers to it in verse 4 of chapter 2. He says, I wrote that letter with great anguish, with a troubled heart, and with many tears. He says, I don't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. Sister Paul wrote a painful letter, but it was a letter of love. And sometimes, guys, when people correct us and love us we don't look at it as love what what are they listen here's the bottom line okay and those of you watching god has called me to be your shepherd i have to watch over your souls and sometimes you don't understand how it breaks my heart when you leave when you go off Away from God. And this is not something I woke up one day and said, yeah, you know what? I think I'll do this. I think I'll be, I think I'll be a keeper of the sheep and I'll just, um, I'll just worry about people and I'll worry about their salvation and I'll worry about them walking with God. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun job. That's not what it is. What it is is it's a calling and it's like, <gasps> it's a brokenness that the shepherd feels when sheep go wayward. That's why we get a beautiful picture of him leaving the 99 to go for the one. And do you guys realize what a shepherd does? Do you realize what he does? When one sheep, right? We're all sheep, right? Ah, We're all sheep. And one sheep decides to go off. You know what he does? He'll go find that sheep, okay? He'll pull him. He'll leave the 99. He'll pull the sheep. You know what he does? He breaks their leg. Do you guys realize that? He breaks their leg. He puts that sheep around his neck, and he walks until until that sheep is better. Why does he break the leg? Because now he's got to hold on to it. And what he's teaching that sheep is he needs to stay near the shepherd. Could you imagine? Here's a sheep wandered off in the middle of nowhere, wolves everywhere, and he's mad at the shepherd? And then here comes the shepherd. Here says, ready? I break your leg. Oh, why did Pastor Ben break my leg? Oh, that hurts. Oh, 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 oh. Why did you do that? Because I want you to be close to the shepherd. That's what he's saying, guys. He's saying, man, this was hard. And and as a result, I love that the church realized, oh, my goodness, we've blown it with Paul. And they actually repent and they apologize to Paul. And they wanted to reconcile. They got that. Don't you just love that? Don't you just love that? 
So that's where we are right now. He's reconciling them. He's telling them how much, right? That's where we are. Paul, again, he's, he's wanting to reconcile and offer forgiveness. Now, let's take that to a personal level. How, how hard is that when somebody hurts us and then they come back and they ask for forgiveness? We're like, I forgive you. You're right. We'll say it because that's what Christians do. But Paul's really going, no, 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 I, lo- I, you, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Think about it, guys. Think about it. He's saying, listen, I, want, I, I forgive you, man. This is cool. We're good. We're good. And see, chapter 2, guys, is full of great application. You go, what's that? Well, here's what we learned. We learned basically that in chapter 2 that we should make godly decisions based upon the word of God. Godly decisions. What job we're going to take. What house we're going to live in. Where are we going to go to school. All of these things should be based upon the word of God. That's what he's saying. Okay? Why? Because plans had changed. Anybody ever have their plans changed? Right? Their plans have changed. At times, yeah, you're like, oh, man, I, I was planning on doing this, but, man, something came up. And the church was accusing them of going, Paul, you don't love us because you said you were going to come and you didn't come. And, and he goes, no, no, it was, it was based on what? On a godly decision. That's what we learned. We'll look at that in just a second. We also learned that we should offer what? Forgiveness to the sinner who truly repents. If you are reading your one-year Bible, I hope you are. Hope you didn't fall off and not read. Today, we see in Acts chapter 9, Paul gets saved. Saul gets saved. Okay? And he goes back to the church in Jerusalem. And you know what they do? Ah! It's Paul! It's Saul! He's the one who wants to kill us. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. They're freaked out because this is the dude who is trying to kill him. But you know what I read? I read eventually he hung out with the apostles. I read that he, they, they accepted him. I think about this. Do you guys remember, do you guys remember Kanye West when, when he got saved? What was it? It was half of one going, I don't think he's saved. I don't think so. Let's see. The other half was like, yeah, he's saved. The bottom line is, can you imagine? This is what they were doing to Paul. Paul comes in. He's like, hi, guys. I'm one of you. Could you imagine? If the guy who wanted to kill us showed up to church saying, hey, I'm one of you, we'd be like, uh-uh. You know what I would do? I'd be like, Joe, watch him. Um, Jesse, you got, you got, you know, just, you got your gun, Jesse? Watch, watch him because I, I don't trust him. Hey, God bless you. You're, you're a Christian now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll see if you come to church next week. That's how we are. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Listen, guys, think about this. He said, he said to the fella who was sleeping with his stepmom who repented, he says, guys, forgive him. He truly repented. Right? Because here's what we learned concerning forgiveness for the sinner. That God has a recipe for forgiveness. You go, what's that? Mercy, grace, and love. Those are the same three elements that we receive when we, offer, when we receive forgiveness. Mercy, grace, and love. And he also has a design for restoration. You go, what's that? There has to be repentance. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 13, or 17, verse 30, he says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commends all men everywhere to repent. Guys, can I tell you, this is one of the things that are missing from the pulpit. It's repentance. 
There is nobody that wants to see more people saved than me. This is my vision. I want to see people saved, but it has, it, it, there has to be repentance. People have to come. Listen, I don't, want to, I don't want to preach a false gospel that says, hey, just do this and do this, and you're fine, you're saved, amen. And then they're not. There has to be repentance. This is what the word of God says. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. So that brings us to our text today. Now, to fully understand, let's go back just for a moment, guys, to see what we're talking about. Okay. Many people were upset at Paul because he had planned to come, for, uh, he had come to visit them. And the Lord changed his plans And Paul says, guys, I don't know why you're so upset. I didn't take this lightly. As a matter of fact, in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, therefore, when I was planning this, he said, did I do it lightly? Listen, I didn't just come and be like, you know, I think I'll go to Corinth. Wait, there's a taco truck in my neighborhood? No, I'm not going to go to Corinth anymore. I think I'm going to go to the taco truck. You guys see what I'm saying? He didn't just take it lightly. Paul wouldn't do that, and this is what he's telling them. He said, or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me, there should be yes, yes, and no, no. Listen, Paul admonished them that his change of plans, listen to me, was not simply worldly thinking, but godly decisions based upon the Lord. How do we do that, church? Here's how we do it. We pray. We, help me, we seek the Lord, okay? And then we take the next step. Right, sister? That's what we did on the house, right? You prayed, you talked, God opened door, you stepped in, and what would you say? Well, I I would ask Amanda, Amanda, what do you think about, well, if God's in it, I mean, we're good. If God's in it, did God not open every single door and bless your socks off? That's exactly it. It was a godly decision. Why do we get so mad when God closed the door. I don't know about you, but I'm a great kicker of doors. But God, I want that. And God's like, no, no, no. Listen, I have something so much better for you. I have something so much better for you. Let me give you a case in point real quick, okay? So, I've met with the owner of this building. We've talked to him. I told him I wanted this. Okay? He told me, okay, you guys get with your elders to do the, do, 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 do. I said, I wanted my pastor to come, blah, 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 blah. He said, I'm not going to offer it for rent or anything until I hear from you. Okay, great. So I drive up with my pastor on Friday to show him the building, and there's a big sign on the front saying for rent or for sale for rent. What? I thought you were going to. Lord, what if we get this building? I like that everybody likes this building. And the Lord's like, dude, if I close the door, isn't it going to be better for us? But it's so hard for us to get that, isn't it? It's so hard because I want it. You want it. I've already seen us doing church there. But they need to be godly decisions based upon the word of God. And when God closes the door, we go, amen. Amen. Now. Notice with me. This is where we are. Notice verse 12, okay? 2 Corinthians 2.12 says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. Now, what's he talking about, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Hold your finger here. Go to Acts 16 because I want to show you something. We're only going to read a couple of verses, but I want to show you something. So Paul says, when I came to Troas, 
Okay, when did he come to Troas? Well, we got to go back to Acts 16. Look at verse 8. He says, so Paul writes, so passing by Mycenae, he came down to Troas. Okay, so Paul's in Troas. This is where he's in Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul at night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to him. So what am I trying to show you? I'm trying to show you exactly where Paul said, this is what happened. And now writing the letter to the Corinthians, he goes, this is what happened. This is what happened. Okay? And so again, this is the very door. Uh, but but the church at Corinth was accusing him of, 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 of a worldly decision, of just taking it lightly. He's going, no, 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 this is where I was. This is what happened. I had a vision. And it's the same thing. It's like, it's like man, guess what? I went to bed last night. I had this vision. Somebody in, in, in Plainview was saying, come and help us. All right, so I, I've got to go. I mean, that's kind of what he, he said. I've got to go do this. And so guess what I did? I woke up and I said, that's from the Lord. I need to go to Macedonia. You guys with me? I wanted to show you it's so important. Okay? So what does Paul do? He says, he, go, back to, go back to 2 Corinthians 2.12. He says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. I love that. Why? Because I believe, guys, that the door of this building is opened by the Lord. I don't know what for. I hope it's good. We'll see. I don't want to get in a building if we can't afford it or something's going to happen. God sees the future. I don't. And he says this in verse 13. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. What did Paul say? Paul said, man, I had no rest. I had no rest. Paul was uneasy in his spirit. Why? Paul has a lot going on, doesn't he? But you know what it was? Because he didn't know how the letter, how the Corinthian church received that severe letter. And it bothered him. He's like, man, I was looking for Titus, man. Titus, you got to tell me where, what's going on. Ti- I couldn't find Titus, and I just wonder how they took it. And I just, I didn't want to hurt them. I love those people. I love those people. Remember, God had given him a divine, a divine Paul, right? A vision quest. You've got to go to Macedonia. But I love the heart of Paul. Why is that, Pastor? Even if Paul, listen, spoke the truth in love, his heart was very much for the people. How they reacted? Were they bummed? Did they receive the heart behind the letter? And really, Paul couldn't sleep, guys, until he knew. Until he knew. And so he's like, man, I missed time. And he says, by the way, he says, I-, I want you to see something. He said, listen, I think this is important. He says, when I came to Troas, right? He said, I preached Christ's gospel. Whose gospel? Christ, right? So what is the gospel? Yo, Pastor Ben, that's good news. Okay. But remember, remember... Okay, for news to be really good, what does it have to do? It has to invade bad spaces, right? Okay, it has to invade bad. So we have to understand exactly what it is so that we go, man, that's really good news. And you go, what's that? You have to realize that you're a sinner. 
Okay? You have to realize you're a sinner in need of salvation. You have to realize that mankind, since Genesis chapter 3, is broken. It's beat down. It's down and out. And so the good news of Jesus dying on the cross is really good news. You're like, whoa, whoa. Let me, t- let, me, let, me, let me explain. Let me explain. Every six months, I take Nathalie to the doctor to see her, her, how she's doing. Now, remember, she had cancer, okay? And so every six months we go, and we walk to the doctor, and it's dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. So, so, listen, if he tells me, how, oh, guess what? I got these new shoes at Dillard's. Do you, that's not good news to me, is it? I'm like, what do you, that's not news. That's just news. Well, I don't care about you. Tell me about when he says, she's still cancer-free. She's doing 100%. That's really good news. Why is that good news? Because it invaded a really dark space, didn't it? It's the same thing with us, guys. When you realize, oh, without Jesus, I am lost. I am broken. I am down and out. I messed up. I have no way to get to heaven. And somebody says, let me show you the way. You go, oh, that's the gospel. What does it do? It forgives us of our sins. Well, only one person is excited about that. He forgives us of our sins. Past. Who, who doesn't want to get rid of their Past. Past, present, future. That's good news. It reconciles us back to God, a God who loves us. Aren't you excited to see God? Aren't you excited to go home and be like, yeah. He gives us peace, guys. He gives us grace and peace in life. And he gives us a future and hope. That's what the good news does. So he's preaching that. He's preaching that. And, and there's so much that we could share about the gospel, but we have to continue. So, so Paul continues with the letter, okay? He says, this is what we did. This, this is what happened. I missed Titus. Oh, here it is. And then, but now he changes direction, okay? So he's going to offer praise, okay? He's going to offer praise for God leading him in the right direction. He says, okay, let's use, let's use Texas. Y'all are mad. Because you thought I was just taking this lightly, but I really was focused in God. And he says, but now I'm going to praise God because he was giving me the right direction. And this is what he writes. Look, check it out. Okay, verse 14. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Amen. Men, here's the first thing you need to grasp from there. Ready? Two amazing things are happening right now. You need to jot this down. God is in control. God is in control. Whether you think he is or not, I know he is. He's always been in control. Listen, I had this picture. Could you imagine if God wasn't in control, Seth? Could you imagine? And he's going, what happened? And what is this COVID thing? Why did Michael, why did you tell me? The, oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? Let's see. Let's uh, man the troops. What are we going to do? Oh, okay. I'm just going to sit here and pretend I know what's going on. That's not God. He always was in control. He knows exactly what's going on. He wrote to us what was going at, what we were going to go through, Alex, 2,000 years ago. He says, but, but don't be afraid. It's okay. Comfort each other with these words. Man, lift each other's up. Get, offer hope. Offer hope. It's okay. It's okay. God's in control. 
How so? He says, he leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, here's what I want you to think about, okay? Paul is, he's going to paint a picture. He's going to paint a picture with words, and you go, like what? He's painting a picture of the Roman conqueror leading captives in triumph. Everyone would understand the picture he painted, okay? And so what Paul does, first and foremost, is he takes that same picture he's going to paint, and I'll show you what I mean in a minute, and he says he gladly, help me church, considered himself one of Christ's captives being led to triumph for the glory of Christ. Okay, this is exactly what he says. And what he says, despite his suffering, listen to me, despite his suffering, Paul is confident in his victory through Christ. So in other words, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You have the victory, sis. It's going to be all right. This is what he's saying. He's saying, despite all of the stuff that we've gone through, he's never left us. He's holding us in his hand. He's loving us. Yeah, Ben, but, but I lost, I lost so-and-so to COVID. I, I, have a, I have somebody who's in the hospital with COVID right now, and, and they might not make it. God's still in control, guys. God's still in control. And he knows your broken heart about that. He knows about it. And he loves you. The second thing that's happening here, guys, is is notice what he says. He goes, through us, everybody say through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Do you guys see that? That word diffuses, you can circle it and you can put manifests. That's what it means. Through us, he manifests the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Now, he uses us, basically, you ready? To spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Do you smell like Jesus? Some of you sitting somebody next to you, but boy, they, they do kind of smell. I don't know if they smell like Jesus, but man. Here's the picture, okay? I love that the Bible is so descriptive. Here's the picture. In that day, you guys with me? When a victorious general returned from battle, okay, went out, he conquered, the state would always give him a parade, right? And they would burn a lot of incense in honor of their hero. Usually, it would be the uh, leader's favorite fragrance. So you knew when a leader was coming back because you went, wow, do you, do you smell that? Oh, general so-and-so is coming... He must have, wow, smells like lavender. Smells like, I don't know what fragrances there are. I mean, I just know lavender. You know what I'm saying? But you knew his favorite, right? Smells like Old Spice. No, I don't just, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm saying, right? This is what he's saying. And in the parade, guess what would happen? In the parade, both soldiers and slaves who had been captured in that battle as the victors, guess what? Here they come. They would smell that. They would smell, ah, victory, right? The sweet smell of victory. But the slaves, they would smell the same incense, and what would that say to them? Right? 
it was a message of life and joy to, to the soldiers, but to the captives, it was the incense, it was a reminder of their coming death. So that's the picture. Paul says, listen, church, we are the fragrance of Christ as he's captured our heart and as we tell others about him. Wow. And again, here's the question. Here's the basic question to ask. Do you smell like Jesus? You smell like Jesus. He's going to explain. Look at verse 15. He says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and to among those who are perishing. How so, Paul? To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. But as sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Wow. As the Roman priests, guys, would come and they would burn the incense in the parade, that odor affected different people in different ways. You can imagine, right? What a beautiful picture. Before you got saved, before you recommitted your life to Jesus, before you made a full-on commitment to follow him, what did Christians smell like? They smelled like death, didn't they? Why? Because every time you got around them, you'd be like, I don't know why they're so happy. They're always, they always praise the Lord this, praise the Lord. I don't know about them. And, and you knew deep in your heart where you were going. You knew. Somebody didn't have to go for you, bro, you're a sinner. You're a dirty, rotten. You didn't need, we don't need that, do we? We know deep in our heart. The Holy Spirit just reveals that to us. And so when we go, oh, but when we got saved, that was a beautiful. Then you realized, mm, wow, you smell good. You smell good. Why? Because you knew you had eternal life. You had eternal life. Guys, this is what happens when, like, like, because of brothers, and this is what happens in our lives that we're able to, we're able to be family because of Jesus. And this is how it should be. We should be family. And you smell good, bro. Really, what do I smell like? You smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. Now, I hope you get up every morning and take a shower and put on deodorant and put on sweet-smelling stuff. I hope you do. But the most important fragrance should be Jesus radiating from your life. It doesn't always happen. We get in the flesh sometimes. We get ugly and we get... Boy, husbands, don't tell your wife, well, you don't smell like Jesus right now because you might get a shoe upside your head. Don't, don't do it, okay? What are you so mad about? You don't smell like Jesus. Don't do that. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is sometimes we get in the flesh and sometimes we go, ah, Lord, I don't smell like you today. As a matter of fact, I stink. 
I'll be back, Paul. Let me go. Let me go pray. And let me get right with God because I don't smell like Jesus. And, and be honest. Go, go to your wife, sweetie. I don't smell like Jesus today. I'm sorry. It's just been, I know. I know, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? I don't, I don't. I smell, but it's not like Jesus. I smell like the world. I smell like the flesh. I want to smell like Jesus. Let me, let me, let me spend some time. Man, if you're not smelling like Jesus, take a walk. Take a walk around the block. Go for an hour. Pray. Lord, I don't smell like you. I've been really, and, and, and we all do. Women, listen, it's okay to go to your husband and go, sweetie, I don't smell like Jesus right now. Do you mind? I just need, it. I just need some time. I just need to, I need to get in the word by myself. Man, we don't tell our wives, you need to go in, you need to go in your room and get with Jesus because you stink, but not like him. That's not our job, is it? That's the Holy Spirit's job. We need to love, and, 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 and that's what he's saying. Those triumphant shoulders, man, they came in, they go, man, oh, this is good. We conquered the enemy, but it meant defeat and death. Using this image, guys, of fragrance and aroma, Paul pictured our lives. And he saw us as devoted followers of Jesus giving forth the fragrance of Christ. And, and, and here's what he says. He says, Paul, Lisa, Sophie, all of us. He said, I've called you to be a witness to me in the world. What is that? That's taking the fragrance of Christ. And when you share with somebody, when you share, hey, man, how's it going? Dude, things are not good. Man, I've got some good news. <sighs> I want to smell like Jesus. I've got some good news. Even if they don't accept it, even if they don't accept it, you still smell like Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. You guys see the picture he's painting? This is what he's saying. He's wanting us to God because, first of all, he's held us. He's captured our hearts. Okay, so we're... We're ca- he's going to lead captivity captive up back to heaven. We get to go there because we're captured. Okay? All in the news, you've had people bowing the knee. Well, I'm going to bow the knee to Jesus. Okay? Because every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. I'll do that right now I've, because I've already been captured. But you know, what I, you know what I smell? I smell victory. Because my, my captor is not a Roman general. He's the God. He's the King of Kings. You go, what else? To each other, we're the fragrance of life. Life. You have eternal life. Wow. And to unbelievers, guys, we're the fragrance of death. However you want to slice it. And I get so stoked when people come to Calvary and surrender their lives to God. Raise up their hand, pray. I get so, I mean, because again, because now they've passed from death to life. And I've been in churches where where people have gotten saved and I'll get the golf clap. They're like, yay, good, good job. Yay, I don't think it'll take. Yeah, good. The Bible says, man, when, 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 when a sinner repents, man, the, the angels are just, it's a great party in heaven. And we're over here going, yeah, let's just try to look at it. 
yeah, good, yeah. That's not how we should be, should we? When somebody moves from death to life, we should throw a party. We should throw a party, man. We should all go over to Alex's house and have barbecue. That's what we should do. Cook steaks on the grill. He's looking at me right now. He's like, oh. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what are we doing? We're going to Paul's house, man. He's got a big yard. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have some steak. Why? Because so-and-so got saved today, and we're going to celebrate. I wonder if we did that, sis, what would happen? Man, we just, hey, we're, you got saved today? I got saved today. Yeah, come on. We're always cooking. Let's go. We're going to celebrate. You do this for me? Yeah, you, you passed from death to life. Now you smell like Christ. Now you smell like Christ. Let's chat for just a moment, okay? Because I've been thinking about this, because Paul preaches the gospel. And, and I'm thinking about the aroma because because the Christian life, guys, is a matter of what? It's a matter of, of ministry. It's, it's a matter of ministry of life and death. That's really who we are. The way we live, the way we work can mean life and death to a lost world around us. You, you track in with me, okay? The same gospel that Paul preached should have transformed us from the inside out. It should have changed our mindset. Do you smell like Jesus? How do you think? This is silly, but are you a pessimist or an optimist? I'm a Jesus. Ist. <laughs> I'm a Jesusist. What does that mean? I want to think the way Christ thinks. I want to think. Are you, are, listen, are you a Christian Eeyore? Are you? You know? Praise God. I mean, Eeyore was super bummed about everything, wasn't he? I want to be a Christian Tigger. All over the place. Oh, come on, let's go. Come on, this is fun. What do you, got? What do you want to do? Let's go. That's what I want to be. But, but a lot of times they're like, how's it going? Oh, it's all right. God is good. I'm really down. Do you want to be a Christian? No, I don't want to be a Christian. Is that a Christian? No. The the gospel should have changed what? Our thinking, our mindset. It changes the way we behave. It changes the way we behave. You know that, right? What do you mean? If you take your dog for a walk in the park, you pick up its poop. You get a bag and you pick it up. Why? Because it changes your mindset. You, 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 because you're different. You go, well, that's silly. No, no, no. You, you give others your parking space. No, you go ahead. It's okay. It's just a parking space. You see what I'm saying? It changes how we behave. It doesn't want, it doesn't want us to make, be right all the time. Yeah, I've been married for 35 years. I won every single fight. Really, where's your wife? Well, she left me 34 years ago. <laughs> you won the arguments, but you lost your wife. Come on. No, 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 changes. We don't have to be right. We can say, I'm sorry. And say, I'm sorry. 
Okay, you ready? Everybody say, I've blown it. Come on, say it. I've blown it. I've made mistakes. Ready? I'm sorry. See, some of you at a time, you're like, you're like the Fonz, right? When he, when he couldn't say, I was wrong. Right? That's how you are. I'm sorry. You can say it. I'm sorry. I looked over at Bethany. I don't know if you know if she knows who the Fonz is. Man, that's just like, whoo, that was, I just, you know who the Fonz is, right, Joe? Yeah. yeah. Joe used to be the Fonz, I'm telling you right now. The gospel changes our view on life. It changes our view. It changes how we view others. How do we look at others? It changes our goals. It changes our goals. It changes our ideals. Do you know that a lot of people get trapped on ideals? Really, really a lot, right? Well, by the time I'm this age, I thought I was going to have this, this, this. this. But ideally, it's like, Lord, listen, here's the thing. My kids are healthy. I'm healthy. Man, we're doing life together. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. What else does it change, guys? It changes our future. The gospel changes our marriages. The gospel changes our marriages. It does. It has to. Guys, when the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms a life, the way we live, work, behave can mean life to others, to other believers. Wow. It can encourage other believers or people who see our lives, people we work with can surrender their life to him because they see the change in you. We don't have to modify our behavior. We don't have to be like, oh, okay, people are coming over. I need to put on my Christianity. How are you? God bless you. Good to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. We can do that, can't we? But if we just let the gospel transform us, we are who we are, and we we can just love. We can just love. Come on over, sis. Mi casa, su casa. Whatever in my house is your house. Just be you. And they can see, because here's what they're going to do. He smells like Jesus, man. Now, here's the thing, right? When it comes to smelling, when it comes to smelling, you know what you smell like. If you smell good, you tend to attract a lot of people around you. If you don't smell good, right, you don't attract anybody around you. The same with the gospel. When you smell like Jesus, man, people want to want to come out and be like, hey, I want to hang out with you. Man, I want to do that. Hey, that's awesome. Let me make it simple. You ready? The gospel brings life to the believer and death to the rejecter. Now, as we come to a close, okay, look at verse 17. He says, for we are not... As so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Here's what Paul's testimony, he says, he says that like many of the false teachers that we found in Acts 11, or I mean, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 11 and 12 through 15, 
he says, those guys were trying to, they're, they're more like of a peddler, a huckster, right? In the word of God. They're trying to peddle the word of God. He says, that's not us. That's not us. We're not peddling the word of God. So what is the aroma of Christ? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Everybody take a big, deep. What is the aroma of Christ? It's the aroma of my Jesus sacrifice. A lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish, a lamb unbroken, a lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Christ as the Lamb of God, righteous and blameless, doing his Father's will. Let me leave you with this. A good way to to grasp the aroma of Christ is when Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 12, when he says, therefore, offer your bodies a living sacrifice which is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service and worship. We are the aroma of Christ to God in obedience to him. That's what it is. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight, to this morning, God, for your word. And Lord, we thank you that your truths are just so radiant in us. We thank you, God, that you just uh, bless us beautifully. Lord, I smell, but I want to smell like you. So many times in my life, I smell like me, and I don't like it. I want the aroma of Christ. So I'm asking you, God, to come and capture my heart. Take it. It's yours. I belong to you. The fragrance I smell is my king of kings leading me to victory. And God, as I use my mouth and my heart and my knowledge and your spirit to tell others about Jesus, Lord, I don't just want to do it for for any other reason that other than that, that I, I want the aroma of Christ. Father, I pray for everyone here, God, that they would smell like Jesus. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed in an attitude of prayer, maybe you're watching online. And quite honestly... You took a big sniff and you go, you know, Ben, I don't smell like Jesus. And you were saying some things and some lights were going on, but I don't smell like Jesus. I want to smell like Jesus. Ben, I've never given my life to God. I've never fully surrendered all of my heart. Lord, I, God, Ben, I've given him some. I've given him pieces, but I've never fully sur- I want all God to have all of my heart. I don't know what to do, Ben. The good news is that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And the God of the universe through Jesus is opening up his arms and he's saying, come home. And you go, Ben, what do I need to do? 
Well, here's what you need to do really, really simple. If you're watching online or you're listening to podcasts, will you just stop for just a moment and say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God who died for my sins. I repent of the things that I'm doing and I choose to follow you. Your ways are better than my ways. And I love you, Lord. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I'm asking you to to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, we believe that you're born again. We believe God wants to do something incredible in your life, and we want to throw a party for you. So if you prayed that prayer, man, uh, on the comments, please just click, say, I gave my life to the Lord. I recommitted my life to the Lord. I belong to Jesus. I want to rejoice with you. I want to rejoice with you. We love you so much. Love you so much. Have a great week. If there's anything you need, please e- email us. Call us. We're here for you. We'll do our very best to help you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.